Welcome to the first ever episode of Can You Tell Me a Story, where I sit down with a complete stranger and we just talk with each other, at each other, over each other. I cannot believe it's taken me four years plus a pandemic and a half to start this, but it's finally here, you guys. I'm so excited to introduce to you my first stranger turned friend, Santiago Martinez. Uh, He's one of the most curious humans I've ever met over the internet, and I really couldn't have picked a better person to kick off this podcast with. Not gonna lie, we actually recorded this for two and a half hours, and part of it was because I didn't know how to end it, so I kept going. Uh, I really should have gotten the hint when he kept turning his head back during the conversation. Um, Anyway, here it is. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Share it. And after you're done listening to this, why not call a friend up and ask them to tell you a story? So just to tell the listeners like what what's going on here, uh, there is mm-hmm. no format for this podcast, and um, yeah, that that that's really it. it. I am very excited to jump down any rabbit holes that we can go into. Okay. So let me tell you two things that I know about you: your name, and uh, the fact that you're in Japan. That's, yes. that's literally all I know. And yes. I think you, you only know your name, so you're kind of at a disadvantage here, right? Yes, <laughs> that's true. All right, so, so first, I'm actually really curious, your Reddit username, I feel like that tells a lot about a person. I can't even say the whole thing. It's Curiosidadmundial, something like that. Oh, Curiosidad Mundial. So yeah, that, that is um, in Spanish. Okay. And it means like um, world curiosity. Ah, okay. That's nice. So um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to like talk, like interact with people from all, all over the world. And it just made me realize how little I know about the world, but also like really makes me want to learn more about the world. And, you know, I think curiosity is something that... Um, it's so valuable as a human experience, but it's something that like we tend to forget. I think like as, as kids, we're really curious people, but as we grow up, like people tend to like forget their curiosity and just focus on like one thing or, or like what they know and they stop following that curiosity, which I think is essential for growth and for learning. Is that why you're in Japan? Yeah, yeah. For sure, like also, it is really like I never thought I would end up in Japan. Um, I think, I mean, th- there's two stories I could tell, and and there's like there's there's my like um, interview story, like like job interview. Skip that. Skip the job interview. No, no, no. This it, is not an interview. Really <laughs> oh, okay, okay. You know what? Let, let's do it then. Let's do both because of them. The thing is, like, <laughs> I'm 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 a mechanical engineer, right? So I actually became an engineer because back in like 2006, like when, when, when I was a junior in college, in, in high school, in high school, I, I had no idea what I was going to study. But there was a huge tsunami in Japan, a huge tsunami. And it was devastating, but only a few people died and all the buildings like stood up like there was almost no buildings destroyed and i was like how I, the hell i have heard sorry to cut you off there no, uh, no, no. but 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 i have heard like the architecture in japan they're designed to be to withstand these types of disasters right it's yes. like the, the material that they're using is um able to absorb the impact of of uh these tsunamis and 
mm. yeah, so, and so earthquakes. It, it's, it's really interesting because it's actually both. So it's either, it, it's complete polar opposites. It's either like very well designed that it can withstand basically everything and it will last for a very long time. Or it's very simple, made of wood that can be like destroyed very easily. So one thing that's very interesting here in Japan is that your house actually devalues in like with throughout the time. Usually when you buy a house, it becomes yeah. more like it rises in price. But here is the opposite because the, oh. the houses are just so easy to, especially like very old houses and rural areas. They're so easy to just crumble that like they devalue in time. But when you go to like cities, especially, or to buildings that are supposed to be more permanent, they are very well built and they can withstand a lot. So is it because of uh, that little fact about how uh, buildings in Japan are able to take take on these these impact of disasters that got you down the path of uh, mechanic, mechanical engineering? Yes, yes. So like the next... So that happened during the weekend and the Monday, my physics teacher used the example to show how like engineers created a system so that the buildings could withstand like earthquakes and tsunamis and everything. I was like, that's so fascinating. Like I want to, you know, create something like that that can help people. And that's why I became an engineer. But one of, I think the real answer why I came, like the real thing, the real reason I came to Japan is before I was in Japan, two and a half years ago, I was in Micronesia. Uh, Micronesia is, Where like is that? <laughs> in the middle of the Pacific. Like, okay. Um, very close to like New Zealand, kind of. It's, it's, an, it's a country that's only islands. It's like several hundred islands. Um, and... I lived there, I met this Jap old Japanese man that worked for JICA. And JICA is like the International Corporation Agency of Japan. And I talked to him basically every weekend for a year. And like, I just loved how his mind worked. He was like always like very good for problem solving. He was uh, someone that was like um, self-taught. He had traveled so much. And I was just fascinated. I would like constantly, we just stuck for hours every weekend just so that I could like just dig into his brain. And he was the one that actually told me, hey, like if you ever get the chance to go to Japan, take it uh, because you'll just learn something new. And I was just like, if, if I knew that if I got a chance, I had to come just to learn what kind of environment can create a person like this. And that's sure. why like I ended up coming here. So how long have you been in Japan for? One year and a half. Okay. And then which part of Japan are you living in? I'm in the middle of Japan. I'm very, I'm close. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm close to like Kobe and Osaka, which are like the two. Osaka is the second biggest city of Japan. Yeah. I am a little bit like southwest of Osaka. Got uh, it. Okay. Um, it's actually, uh, I'm in a very small island that's called Awajishima. Like, nobody knows about this island, not even in Japan. Like, a lot of Japanese people don't even know this exists. But it's really funny because actually this island is the mythological origin of Japan. So this is like, there's, there's this myth that there was like this couple of gods, Isanagi and Isanami. And they created Japan and they created to create Japan. They took like a, a spear and just like poof, struck the ocean and like the island started forming. And this island where I am right now is the, like the it's, first it's, island. It's that the formed. origin of where the spear hit yeah. the ground. Oh, wait, how did you find out about this? If you said not many people know about it. Oh, so, so I... I, I had to work back home and I was looking for opportunities to go abroad. Where is home, by the way, for you? Colombia, South America. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, okay, sorry. Sidetrack a little bit. So I only know, uh, I've, I have a friend who's from Venezuela and uh, his dad is from Colombia. So that is the only exposure that I got about Colombia. And 
I'm I'm actually really interested in the lifestyle there because correct me if I'm wrong, but the only things I've heard about it is like it's a it's a very dangerous uh, place. It, it's become really actually very well. <laughs> we can talk about that later. It's okay. way it's way safer right now. Um, the thing like in the eighties, it was it was really really bad. Like yeah. the generation, maybe like just above myself, like mm-hmm. I, I, one of my social studies teachers, for example, he was what, probably five, 10 years older than me. He said that when he was in school, once a week or something, there was a bomb in the city. So he had to like call, call his parents to check that if they were okay or something. So it, it was really heavy. Um, but right now it's, it's way safer especially for foreigners. So I think, I think that's why like, it's dangerous for Colombians, but foreigners tend to have a safer space. And as long as you stay like in the right zones and you don't go to very sketchy places, I think it's, it's kind of fine. Um, I, I mean, two years ago, we had a peace treaty that mm-hmm. ended up ended a like 50-year-old war, civil war that was going on in my country. So that opened up a lot of like rural areas that were on under the control of the the guerrillas and it's it's it has really been helpful for like booming tourism and also like scientific expeditions so since the peace treaty i don't know how many i think there's like dozens or hundreds of species that has been discovered because mm-hmm. scientists can finally go to forests that before With were species like species of yes. animals and insects and stuff yeah like for like I, I um my my parents are from a very small town in the mountains. We used to go when I was very little, and when I was around six or seven, we stopped going because there was a, like a lot of gorillas in the area, and I didn't like my parents couldn't go back to their home for like I would say over over ten years. Got it. Okay. See, I have no experience in anywhere near the realm of what your childhood was because uh, a little bit about me I'm currently in New York right but then I was born and raised in Singapore Mm. which is you know like a really technologically advanced country very safe Uh, guns are banned drugs are banned mostly (laughs) no they they are banned uh, but people somehow still manage to sneak them in Um, and so like education was all I spent my time on. I never had that fear. And I don't know if you had, I never had that fear of like going out super mm. late in the night. And, you know, did, did, did you have that yes. fear like all the time? Like when all you, the time. as a teenager? Okay. So I think the, that was one of my, so I studied in the U.S. So. Oh, which school? And. And and after that, I went to Micronesia, and then I went back home. So I left. I lived five years away from home, and then I came back home to live for one year. And it was just shocking, like shock. Like I thought, like you know, after five years, I've grown a lot. I can take the city. Yeah. I became so like tense and angry after a year. That was also one of the reasons that I decided that I needed to go to leave the city. You mean like angry at the way that the the country was being ran? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I, I just you're just so stressed all the time, and they're so like you cannot trust people. So it, it generates this feeling of like, oh my god, no! I need, I need to like, you need to look angry all the time as well, because if you look like happy, <laughs> it's like you're a target. Like people will try to do something to you. So like you look to, like, you have to enter them and tell you like, I'm angry and I'm angry. Like you try to fake it, but eventually it just like controls you. It, you like internalize it and yeah. then it's just a part of you now. Okay. And and, and it's really bad. Like I, I did, I didn't feel secure at all. Like, um, I mean, it's funny. Like in, in high school, we had this saying that like, if you were not like robbed, by the time you graduated high school, like you, you didn't really have a, the high school experience. Um, oh and my like, god! I've, I've been, I've been robbed like a couple of times. Just like people with kitchen knives 
come to you and they start like swearing at you. <laughs> and have like, you oh. been, okay, this is, I don't know if this is a personal question, but have you been stabbed before? No, no, no. Okay. No. I, well, you I'm, have been almost stabbed, but you yeah. got away. Okay. Yeah. But it, it just, it just becomes like second, second nature for people. Like again, I, and that was one of the most interesting experience I think I had growing up. Because Being I always, held at knife point. Yeah, yeah. Because like, <laughs> you know, one of the things I've realized in life is that you never really know how you're going to react to certain situations sure. until you are in them. So you're telling me that me watching a YouTube video on how to handle a, a knife robbery wouldn't help me be prepared in situations like that. So, like it. I I very recently heard a, uh, heard a podcast. They were talking about, they, were, they did social experiment, right? So what happened is they asked a group of women, university students, so like they made this mock interview. So they said, like, let's say a, a man is interviewing you for a position. And one of the last questions he asked is like something like, for example, oh, we, li- we like to dress like sexy around here. Like, would you mind you know, what do you think of that? And they would say, like, how, do, how would you react to this question if an interviewer asked you? Wait, and, and these women the, were from, like, everywhere, anywhere? Yeah, I think they were, like, just okay. college students. And, all, like, I think, like, 80% of the women is, like, oh, I would, like, call, call the person out on the spot or I would be, like, just stand up and leave the interview. Mm-hmm. Then they actually did the like real <laughs> case scenario. So they created this fake position where they were going to hire a woman and they did the same set of questions and finished with this, that question. Like, Hey, you know, like um, we like kind of dressing sexy around here. Like, would you mind that? Like, um, what, like, would you mind dressing sexy or something? And guess how many women left? N- none of them. None. None. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, you know, what I'm thinking is like, I think it's because when you are not in the actual situation, the incentives are different. Yes. Like when, when you're being asked, you can kind of think more clearly and be like, okay, my safety and um, kind of dignity is more yeah. important than the job itself but then when you're actually in the interview and you've been through everything and you're like you know i it's just one more thing on the checklist that yeah. i have to take be- to to get yeah. the job right that's, that's yeah it, scary. It's, it's all about like yeah like you you can like your brain is completely different states you, yeah. if you what do you say like if you're relaxed you're in a cold like cold state very analytical but when you're in the situation it's more like hot state it's just like reactionary yeah i so i uh, studied economics uh, that was my mm. major and i got uh, pretty interested in behavioral economics so I, I took a class on that and then we had to read this book uh and w- that covered kind of like social experiments mm. and then one of them was asking men uh how they would treat women right it you know like do they respect women uh, in the bedroom, you know, what, what would they do? And then all of them were like, or at least most of them would be like, if she doesn't want to do something, I'm not going to force her. But mm. then cut to the next uh, part of the experiment, you know, they, they got the men to masturbate mm. and answer the same questions. And then, first, I don't know, there's something in their brain that got switched on, like you said, the hot state. And then they were like, you know, I, I'm just going to, tear her clothes off and and do whatever I want you know and then and then they interviewed them later and then they were like yeah that's not me I don't know what what, what, I I don't know what turned on in my brain but that wasn't me and I was like that is you it's just buried deep inside that you know something that can only come out when you're in a certain um situation yeah so it's it's scary it's so interesting <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're two people and like your two personalities don't really understand each other like yeah they, they're, like, like they're like 
no, I would never do this. And in the in the hot state, it would be the same. Like, it's like uh, yeah, you state will. Is, cold state <laughs> person is an idiot. I I think it's because I mean not directly because of that class, but I I've always been aware like since I was young that I probably act differently when, for example, if I'm intoxicated or something. So mm. I I never want to drink more than I can. Although if you ask my friends, they probably know that. I, I can, you know, I, I can reach it if I want to, but it's always a conscious decision. Mm. Uh, but I always try not to go to the maximum because then I don't want to be in that state where I'm just saying yes to, to everything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's just not fun at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's so. all about that, like, balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so so um, I, I'm actually really curious. So are you close with your with your family like how is Colombia how is family culture in Colombia very close I think I think it's like a very like Hispanic like in general like all Hispanic, Latin yeah. America even Spain as well also like Portugal Italy maybe like something of, about the Romance language except the French I don't know I don't know about, <laughs> I don't know about that. But um I do know someone who's French and she they they are very, very close and they're very family oriented. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. So like um it, it's not uncommon like for three generations been living in the same roof. And like especially in rural areas like um so for like grandparents live with the, the the sons and daughters and the, the wives of the sons and like the kids so like a lot of people in the same house mm-hmm. not something that is very uncommon um, my my mother has this dream of so i i have a brother and we mm-hmm. live here in the same apartment um she has this dream where his family and my family would one day come together with our family and then my dad and mom would live on the on the first floor right because they're old and then I would live on the second and then my brother my brother <laughs> and his family would live on the third. and I was like in Singapore family culture is very very important mm-hmm. but it's probably not as we don't go too deep in that we would squeeze three yeah. generations <laughs> worth Although my grandma was uh, living with us at, at one point because she she was really sick and we uh, we had a room for her, um, mm-hmm. but other than that we we don't really gear towards that. Um, mm. Is that something that you want? Do you no. see your future going? No. Okay. So like I actually like I I lived only with my parents, and my parents. You're an were... only child. No, no, no. I have two brothers. I'm the okay. youngest. I have two older. But they always had the mentality, my parents, of like letting us go whenever we need it, um, which I think is very valuable because I had like several cousins that their careers basically diminished and got destroyed because their uh, like their parents were like, no, you have to stay home, look and blah, blah, blah. And like... Guilt trip them about the family, and it avoids the growth of the people themselves. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know it's really hard. Um, I mean, I almost didn't go to the U.S. because I saw how hard my my brother also went to the U.S. to study. My older brother, and when he left, my dad got devastated. Like I never seen my dad cry, and he was just like he was. I'm like physically, like he had no control. Like, was, it was this the like first at the time... airport or something? Yeah, at the airport. Oh no. It was the first time I saw him cry. And it was the first time that like, he didn't want to drive the car. He let my brother drive because mm-hmm. like he, he didn't have enough control of his being to just like be able to drive a car. So I was like, oh my God, it, like, it just destroyed him. So Did you it, cry? It and like the connection <laughs> is really there, but... If, if you just try to keep everything together, you don't let people really grow. Mm-hmm. And I think the last 
like six or seven years of my life since I left Colombia have been some of the most like educative and like just self-growth years of my whole life. Like I've learned so much. I've destroyed so many misconceptions. I've learned to see my own country in a completely new light. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if my parents kept pressuring me to come back. Okay. I'm really curious why your parents, because I think in that way, my my mom and dad are kind of similar to yours in that mm-hmm. I know a lot of my friends who really wanted to get out of the country um, to go to like the UK or US or something. But then their you know their parents just has like a, a tight grip on them and they're not willing to to send them up which i understand it's really hard to let your babies go and fight against the the world by themselves right mm-hmm. they want to protect them um but i was fortunate in that my mom and dad they worked for like international you know mnc companies mm-hmm. so they work very closely with people from from the US, for example. And so they are more familiar with the culture. They're not as scared. And they know mm. that it, there's a lot more opportunities outside. Uh, yeah. And they always encourage traveling. That was something that they, you know, even even if we didn't have a lot of money, they would always make sure to, to bring us somewhere mm-hmm. ever since we were young. You, your parents doesn't, didn't seem to go down that path that other parents in Colombia went down? I, th- I think my parents were quite unique. Um, I mean, for example, yeah, I, I was, I, I graduated with a hundred, like 120 people in my high school and only three of us went abroad to study. Everyone else stayed in Colombia. And my school, I mean, it's not like for, like rich people or anything, but it's one of the best, like in terms of education of, of my city. Um, but most people stayed. So I would say like, it's the importance of education that made, made them realize that anything that is for the education of people is worth it. Um, so my, my, my grandfather from my mom's side, he was part of this idea like nine, I forgot how, but what time, but it was a radio education for rural areas because rural areas, they don't have TV and it's really hard to access, like even to get like newspapers or something, but they can get radio waves. So there was this huge educational program called Radio Sutatensa, which was how do we teach things to like people in rural areas? And they taught them everything from like how to write, how to read, to like how to fix boots, so like fix shoes oh, wow. so that you can have a, a livelihood. Um, so he was part of that. And from my dad's side, like my grandparents have no education. Like they, I think they don't, didn't even go to high school. But my mom insisted, my mom, my dad's mom, my grandmother, she always insisted that like they had my, my dad and, and his brothers and sisters had to get a good education because education was the only way to improve their lives. Like there's nothing except education to improve their lives. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think that's why they had the mentality of like letting us go because as well, they grew up in a very small town, very small town where like no access to any of the like, things that you can get in a city, like different people, like TVs and like cultural experiences. They just lived in a very small bubble. It was the same, same type of people group thing. Okay. Yeah. It's like completely the same type of people. I, I mean, but they moved to the big city to get the good education, both my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. So that's something that, I've always seen like as a parallel, like the movement from them, from living from this tiny town in the mountains to the capital city of the country, even though like they didn't have experience abroad or anything, they had the experience of like how amazing for your education 
is to leave the bubble that you're in. And that's why when like my brother and I expressed interest of like studying abroad, they were like, yes, leave this bubble and, you know, learn more. There's so much to learn. Just go out there. As long as you're educating yourself, just go for it. I think that's why like they really were, you know, it's going to be horrible for us. We're going to be sad, but go for it because it's good for you. Are are they better now in terms of accepting that you and your your brother are not at home? Oh yeah, it, it's good now. <laughs> I mean, they it, it has we have become an excuse for them to try to explore new places. My parents too, and like yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but ever since me and my brother uh, left Singapore, they've been just like traveling everywhere. I guess it's like they're retired, so mm. might as well, right? And then, and then, like with COVID, I was like, oh man, now they yeah. now they're stuck at home. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Like I wanted, we had this plan. So, um, uh, one month ago, my brother graduated. For, get, he got his PhD, and we had this plan of like we go to his graduation, and then maybe they can they will like come to Japan because they have never been in Asia. So like, hey, yeah, you can come to Japan. Like, we can explore Japan together. But COVID was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, so what's the situation there now? So it's interesting, like, Japanese government has not that much authority. So they can suggest, they can, like, ask uh, people to, like, close, but they cannot force people to close. But... That being said, like the culture is very like health oriented. So mm-hmm. everyone was wearing masks at the entrance of basically any building or any entrance or any restaurant. There's like alcohol to wash your hands before you enter. And so there was not that many infections here. So you know, the the thing with wearing masks. So I, I hate it. I absolutely mm. hate it because now it's summer and it gets really mm. muggy and sweaty inside. So, but the one good thing that came out of that is that I kind of found a loophole in that not my desire to not want to wear a mask trumps my not wanting to go out and exercise. So, so the loophole is that I realize if I run, I don't have to wear a mask and I hate, uh, and I hate exercising, but uh, it's actually forced me to go out for, you know, to 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 run, to take a run like every mm. every day now. Well, the weather has been pretty shitty, so I haven't been doing that. But in the last few weeks, I've actually ran like more than I've ever ran in my last twenty three years. I'm twenty four, by the way, in my okay. last twenty three years of uh, of living. So that this one good thing came out. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, I, I hate running. Like, when I was in high school, we had to run, like, two kilometers every, like, two months for PE. That's nothing. <laughs> it was the worst. I hated it so much. It was like, why do you make us run two kilometers? But since I came to Japan, it's like, okay, I'm going to start running. And the trick I used was... I, I love listening to podcasts, right? But it was like, I never had time. So I told myself, like, if you want to listen to podcasts, you have to run. So like, Same. that's what like started to encourage me to run. Like, like I, I hated, like running one kilometer for me was hell. And I mean, I started running and running. And now like, for example, this month, I already like run a hundred kilometers in one month. I would never okay, yeah, I'm not gonna compete with that. I'm <laughs> like I did t- actually, if I kept up my pace, so last last two weeks, uh, I mean two weeks back, I ran twenty five miles in a week, wow. which is a, a lot for me. No, 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 but then if you saw my stats, my next week is like three miles. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in the entire week so i think I, i'm burnt out at this point mm. <laughs> um i have a question so when you came to japan mm. were you scared that you didn't speak the language 
I assume you didn't speak fluent. Oh no, no, no! Yeah. Unless you did, which I would be super. I I respect that a lot. <laughs> no, no. Um, I was fortunate that like the program that brought me here is basically international people, so my day to day is all in English. Um, and I was still like, you know, getting to know places. Traveling is very easy. Like they made things very convenient for people. But the downside is that yeah, like the interaction with like local people and really getting to know, especially in a rural area where like it's old, you know, a batch and like very old people living here, and not being able to hear their stories, it kind of breaks me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the language, I was never really scared, but I, I didn't expect. To be missing out so much by not knowing the language. So, are you trying to pick it up now? A little bit. I'm. I'm learning a little bit. It, it's hard because again, like all all my day to day work is in English. Um, but I, I do like pick a few phrases here and there because more more for like social aspects and trying to talk to people. Because the interesting thing that I found, and that's one of the reasons that I think my mind doesn't really want me to learn. Is that the more you know Japanese at work, the more they treat you like Japanese, which means more work. I was gonna say. Yeah, and like way higher expectations. So it's like, nah. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, okay. So, what does that mean? So you don't know Japanese. So are they necessarily like nicer to you? As in more polite, hmm. huh? Okay. And and I can get away. With I would think it's things. the other way. Usually it is, but here again, it's a very, it's like a U shape thing that's happening with the language. Like at the beginning, if you don't know the language or it's very low, it's really good at work because you can get away <laughs> with a lot of things. You can use like like, like you just card. be like, I don't understand that. I'm sorry, I couldn't yeah. deliver this yeah. on time. Then they go and you're like, ah, sorry, you know, like there's there's like a couple of friends, for example, that say like, oh, I cannot do that for religious reasons or something. They, they, they're like some <laughs> weird thing that they ask them to do or like, oh, yeah, or you just like completely ignore people if they try right. to assign you a task that is like you don't want to do. Have you done that like, before? I've done that before. Like when it's just I, like I know you're not proud of it, but you have done that before no there was one that i'm proud of it because it was just such a like illogical a thing that i'm like why should i do that you never really get a straight answer so i'm like eh, just i'll just fake that it didn't listen i don't understand <laughs> what's going on okay but even people that are completely fluent even people that have been living for years here in japan that even even some people that have like japanese permanent residence you are still a foreigner in people in Japanese people's eyes. Yeah, so, because I, yeah, I hear that like xenophobia is a is a big thing in Japan. Mm. So it, I, that that's why I thought like they would treat you worse than they would a, a Japanese. It, it's person. really interesting though. It's really interesting because that that's a conversation I had one one of my friends and one of the persons I had to work a lot with she is from Kenya so she's like she's black and she's saying like she worked in Dubai she worked in the UK before and she said here in Japan is the first place that she really doesn't feel identified like oh the black person you know here she's just a foreigner so all oh, foreigners okay. are the same I get it I'm I'm treated like as an American here, which is a uh, very yeah. interesting feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting feeling to to have, and you don't feel that like disgust or hate that you can feel in other places. You're just an outsider, but they treat you nicely. So it, it's it's really interesting. It's it's like kind of so like it's, a it's nice, nice racism. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's nice to be an outsider in japan but it's not nice to be an outsider in in the u.s no do you, do you feel like that 
I think in my freshman year, I did, I felt like that a little bit. Mm. So I'm, I'm a very weird person, right? And I'm really introverted, but at the same time, I have like this burst of extroversion. Um, and like, for example, I never had a female friend before going to college. So I was this really awkward and I was super chubby and like super nerdy, <laughs> but also super proud of myself and stuff when I went to college. And it was really hard for me to connect with people because, I mean, people always talk about, you know, their their high schools or their childhood experience. And I couldn't relate to that because I was like completely, like my experience are completely different from like American experience. And, but my mentality is like, I need to interact with American people, right? Like I, it's really easy to like stay in your own bubble. Like for the first semester, I like hanged out with a lot of like Latino people, but I was like, if I stay with them, I'm just going to be like living back home. And the idea Mm -hmm. is I need to experience a completely new culture. But the first, like anytime I went to like the dining hall to eat or something and people came over, like, like they tried to like avert their gaze or like they, I had like very awkward conversations with them and I was like <laughs> I always assume it is my fault right You're like oh no I'm too awkward people don't like I'm just awkward and that's why like people don't talk to me and stuff um and it was really weird because also like when people were drunk and that's why I love drunk people and I still love them is <laughs> because when people were drunk every single person every single person talked to me in Spanish even in the new four words that's like, really hey, funny. Hola, como yeah. esta? And they were like, ah, super friendly. They were like, oh, yeah, like people are nice. But the same person that, like, you know, the night before was being super friendly and talking to me, the next day, they couldn't hold eye contact with me. You know, I feel like we're back to the hot state again. But in this case, it's a good thing. It's a yeah. positive thing that yeah. alcohol brings that out of people. Yeah. Wait, so, so are you... Are you the same way? Like when you're drunk, you you start making everybody know that you you like you start speaking to them like you never would in a dining hall. You know what oh. I was gonna say? I was gonna say you start speaking to them in English <laughs> <laughs> because you because you were like people start speaking to me in Spanish. So I was like, okay, so to reciprocate, you have to <laughs> let them know that you know English. <laughs> uh, I definitely try, I, 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 I get way more, I think I would get way, well, at, at, at that time, especially, I got way more self-conscious. When you're about drunk? About myself, when I drink, yeah. Why, wait, what? I became way be... more self-conscious. Oh, that's really weird. Wait, so what goes through your head when you reach that high point of... Wait, so you never reach that point where you, you're you like un, uninhibited. You just do whatever. No, I'm always... Wow. Like, I'm either... I think drinking always gets me either really tired where I just want to sleep or beer does really that self-conscious mm-hmm. or like i mean it's like small bursts when i'm like yay happiness but like two seconds later like oh shit oh shit what am i doing you're like shit i can't be too happy people are gonna notice yeah 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 that kind of feeling <laughs> I, I like i had no like i was so self-conscious i became way more self-conscious when i was like that i don't That's know why crazy Okay, yeah. wait, so did you get better at that? I feel like you've gotten better. I mean, I didn't know you how many years <laughs> ago, but like for just from this conversation, I feel you're more outspoken unless you're forcing yourself. <laughs> I, I think like, well, I think towards, towards the end, I had like a really, really bad depression junior year high uh, college. Because like I went to I went to study abroad in London and it was a great experience and then when I came back, that was spring semester junior year, mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, I don't fit here at all, like at all. I felt like I've always felt like a little bit of an outsider, but that time I was like, I really don't belong here, like completely. Wait, so for here, a whole, like, like in America? 
Yeah, yeah, in America. So you felt and like you belonged more in in London. Not even in I just, I just had I'm no sorry, idea. I'm sorry, in the UK. Okay, it's just something oh, about I, America that that doesn't make you feel comfortable. Yeah, and I was trying to go through it, and I was like, oh my god, what do I do? Like, I don't feel here. And you know, at the same time, I started entering like senior year, and a lot of my friends and a lot of like other people from um, my career. They were all getting like job offers and stuff and I didn't even get like interviews and I was like oh my god what is now there has to be something wrong with me there has to be something wrong with me and that's why like yes you know you you're a miserable person you are sad like yes that's it and actually like when I started getting depressed which is ironic I was like kind of happy because like ah yes I have an excuse <laughs> I'm gonna but be to, a failure of like a person because a... I'm depressed <laughs> yeah I, I hear that I am fascinated by this like negative talk that I mean not just you I I have it too that mm. we I don't know like it naturally just comes like our default goes to what is the worst case scenario mm. Mm. and then I mean, we use it as a crutch to to be like you know I don't have to do anything because yeah. there's this thing going on in my in my head that I have no control over but yeah. but I feel like what like I I had the, kind of the same experience maybe not too bad to a point where I would call it depression but then I had to kind of reverse that and then I'm convinced now that it's something that I can control because once you mm. once you recognize that you realize that you can do something about it yeah for sure like it took me a long time and I think like it just grew to a level that I lost a little bit of control. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, I was like, no, I have to do something about it. For me, the best experience and the thing that helped me the most was going to Micronesia. Like when I really think, when people think of college experience, especially in the US, being like, you get to know a lot of interesting people, you get to improve yourself, socialize and stuff like that. For me, that experience was the year that I was in Micronesia because I was like, I mean, I was still like trying to become better and trying to get rid of this depression. And I was like, my first objective was like, I'm going to read. I'm going to read like a maniac. Um, and that started helping. And the people I met there and the interactions I had and the way that I improved myself it was fascinating. Like it really felt like I was like, this is what college is supposed to be like reading a lot of interesting books, having weird conversations with people, meeting strangers and, you know, just developing as a person and starting realizing or finding a lot of value in yourself. Did you, okay. So I guess going to Micronesia was kind of you seeking help in a way. Yeah. That's really interesting because so you never saw them as like your end point because I say that because I never did study abroad when I was in college uh. and I always saw this as a study abroad, you know, but then it mm. sounds like for you, this is a gateway to get to other places. Like you, you, you know, you went to UK and then Micronesia. When I was in high school, was my end point like college was mm -hmm. like i'm gonna live like again like i'm gonna live colombia i'm gonna reinvent myself i'm gonna be this amazing person everyone is gonna love me i'm gonna have like lots of friends and yes everything is gonna be magical but once i got there um the like reality like, hits yeah reality hits and i was like <laughs> oh fuck it's so hard and mm -hmm. they were like, I need to find something else. And I need to, like, I think like that's something that really my parents really taught me and my, and my brothers is like, always look for the opportunities. And that's what happened like with, with the UK one. Like I was just like, I, I'm just, I need to go out. I had one feeling that I really need to go out and I tried to find a way. And this going to the UK was the one that opened up and it was a really, really good experience. And it really helped me like live my spirits for a little bit again. Can you go into what what was the difference in the experience? Is it is it like the the people that's hard to get through here? I mean, in the 
in America or? Well, I think also my university was very peculiar. In what way? In that it's ultra conservative. It's very conservative. And a lot of people that come that go there are come from a bubble. Right. Mm. So like everyone has really lived in a bubble before going there. So it's a Catholic university. Most people are like upper middle class, white and religious. So it's not a real representation. Like yeah. when you're a minor minority there you feel like really a minority there. Mm -hmm. College experience was from movies where she's like ultra party and stuff like that, which I was like, I don't know if I'm going to fit there, but I'm going to try something. But like, it was completely, I was in shock. Like one one of the biggest shocks, for example, was (laughs) one of the first parties I went to, with like small party in a dorm. And there was this girl that was like, her first time drinking ever and that would be me yeah (laughs) so again that that is one of the first biggest cultural shocks because back home like people start drinking when they're like 14 okay i was gonna go 12 but we started late well i I would say (laughs) depends on the region and depends on the family Mm -hmm. but then you get here and like people have never drank and of course like the first time you drink, you're always going too hard, especially in college where you're away from your parents. But this girl was just drinking. And all she talked about was how she had a blog about Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? Like, I was so confused. It's like, is this normal? Like, what is going on? And then like, so like the RA caught us. And making out <laughs> they, they, it was like because it was technically after hours and like girls could not be in guys dormitories after hours so like they were gonna write everyone up but you know my latino blood jumped in and i escaped uh, but yeah. i met up with my friend and with the the girl afterwards and the girl was like in shock like the girl was like am, am i gonna get kicked out is this my punishment for my like scenes? <laughs> I was so in shock. I was like, is is this gonna be like the normal? Forever? Is, is <laughs> yeah. All the people I interact with like this. I think since that experience, like I, I spend a lot of time just watching people because it was just so completely new to me, all these interactions and everything that was going on. Um I don't I don't know if the and I, I still remember the name this i won't put it in i won't put it in yeah but the name was just (laughs) the name was (laughs) but when i heard the name i was like do you do you really don't don't understand like (laughs) that is that is hilarious i mean i really can't put it in she might have a lot of blog hits. By the way, uh, I I need to tell you something. Have you ever Googled yourself? Uh, I have a very normal name, so it's really hard to find anything on me. Okay, so here's the thing. I couldn't resist not Googling, even though I know the whole theme of this podcast is it's a complete stranger, blah, 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 right? But then because your, your email had your whole name in it, I, uh, I just decided to, you know, search on Google. First of all, don't do it because the first three results from your name was Santiago Martinez, um, sexual offender, put on death row. And then I was like, whoa. And then I saw the second article and was like, uh, he's been like executed or something like that. And I was like, okay, thank God. It's not this, it's not this Santiago. <laughs> No. I, because with the internet you can never be sure right yeah, yeah, yeah. but i'm really glad that you're santiago martinez mechanical engineer uh, my my name is is so common i mean my name in english would be james martinson how did you so get santiago, that from santiago? santiago comes from the bible 
which is Saint James. Which so, is the Spanish of Saint James. Yes, it's Saint. Got it. All right. So. So that's what James. And Martinez, the EZ, any name that ends in with like EZ in Spanish, is like son in English. So, so you're James' Mar son. So Mar Martinez means the son of Martin. Oh. So that's a so really nice name. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like if, if I ever need like a, a fake name to use, I have to use James Martinson. I was gonna ask, do you introduce yourself like that to people in, in America? Because, so my name is Gladys, right? But it's not in my official birth certificate. On, on my birth certificate, it's my Chinese name only. Mm. Um, so, but I, I kind of gave up introducing because I, I've heard 20 different variations of people butchering my, my name. So I was just like, call me Gladys. It makes me, it's just a win-win for both of us. <laughs> no, I, I always use my name, but people still butcher them. Butcher it. Mm -hmm. I think everyone calls me. The the usual one is San Diego. San like Diego. San Diego. Oh my God. Okay. San Diego. Do you get annoyed with that? Ah, I got used to it. Yeah. I'm the worst okay with one, it. <laughs> the worst one was one friend that thought my name was Cynthia Go. <laughs> Can I just say that's a very Singaporean name? Cynthia? I'm pretty sure that's the, the name of one of my teachers. Yeah, Cynthia Go like Cynthia and then space G O H. It's a it's a Chinese surname, family name. Oh yeah, go. The other weird thing for that with names is that, okay, back home, again, Santiago is one of the most common names ever in Spanish. And again, my last name is also so common. But then like when I went to the, the US, especially to this place, which is very, you know, very white, very not yeah, People diverse, never have, have seen someone never my name was like the most exotic thing ever and i felt so special it's like i've been one person random person in the crowd and now everyone is like knows my name and it felt nice but then i couldn't remember people's names because a lot the of people's English names name? like the my the people i met like all the names are like monosyllable so like jim oh, yeah. jack john jack it's so yeah. hard to memorize who's who. And then you come and there's like people that say like, hey, my name is Jack, but call me John. And then another person, oh, my name is John, but call me Jack. And I'm like, oh my gosh, can I, can I tell you a story? Yeah. Maybe I should change the name of this podcast. But anyway, so I, I was on, in my freshman year, literally second day of classes or something like that. I had a computer class. And my teacher was this like super old woman uh, mm. who used to work in the army. Mm. And she, you know what she did? So I, okay, so the way it works is like, there's I think four or five rows of chairs and I was seated on the second row towards the right. So before me, there's maybe like 12 people ahead of mm. me. She thought it was really she thought it would be a great icebreaker to have everybody memorize each other's names she made each person stand up and repeat their name and the ones before them now i've never been here before and everybody's name was you know like one or two syllable so but then everyone before me were you know, they're American, they're used to it. And so they like got it, right? So it was like one, two, three, four. And then when it came to me, I butchered it. I'm not even kidding, like six times. I even had to write it on my phone. And then she called me out <laughs> for it. And I was like, why are you doing this? I literally, I wanted to cry because I felt so embarrassed. That's so <laughs> And I was bad. the one Asian kid in... <laughs> in class 
and I, I, you know, I was only in New York for a week at the time, so I'm still trying to get used to my environment. It was a nightmare. So oh. I never made it through, and she almost wanted to make me do it the second day. And I was like, please don't do this to me. I think I might die of shame. <laughs> it was so bad. That sounds horrible. That sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm an introvert too. So it, it really didn't help. My face was all red. I was trying to put like Justin from whatever country, whatever state he's from, you know, to, to jog my memory a bit. Yeah. Didn't work. Oh, you just you just <laughs> remind me of one of the looking back it was one of the most embarrassing experience and i think that kind of so one of the things that i really struggle in the u.s is the like how to greet people in terms of like, oh, like a, hey how are you n- not only like the words but also like <laughs> handshakes oh yeah there's the huggers that they're like hi it's a whole language there's so many things and it's just so complicated i mean there was like a whole period of like i would say almost a year where people just said sup to me and i said like sup back (laughs) but when they say what's up you said like good what's up like no but for me sup like sup was like hi so someone said like hey and i like sup and i'm like (laughs) So, because back home, it's really easy, right? Like, with, with guys, you can do, like, fist pump. And mm. with girls, it's usually, like, one kiss on the cheek. So, it's very really? straightforward. Yeah. That's but very French. The thing is, this is what I knew for 18 years of my life. Okay. When I went to the States, the first month or, like, first couple of weeks was international orientation. Oh, my God. Right? So, like... It's the first time that I'm interacting with people from all over the world. And I remember, well, I, I was going somewhere to buy a phone or something. And I met this other like Latino guy that I had met before. And he, he was really international. He was talking with like this girl that I forgot. I think she was from China. Okay. And it's like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, hi, how are you doing? Oh, let me present yourself. This is, I don't know who. And I'm like, hey immediately like instinct kiss on the cheek and then i go out you kissed her on the cheek yes i've never seen a person so traumatized in my life (laughs) so my next question is do you have a restraining order against you now (laughs) (laughs) and is that why you really went to japan Assuming she's still in America because I don't think it can get further than that. Unless you go to Singapore, then it's like complete, you know, halfway (laughs) around the world. Oh my God. That's, for me, that's very traumatizing. But because I grew up watching a lot of American dramas, you know, I, in my head, I'm open to it. Mm. But I can't, oh my God, did she punch you in the face or something? She she was cold. I think she didn't even say a word afterwards. Like nothing, no she reaction. Like slap you. I was like, I think that girl like the next day just called her parents and like America is too <laughs> weird. I need to go back. <laughs> I cannot stand this. You guys could have bonded in your junior year when you were depressed. <laughs> <laughs> she she might have been into that, but oh well. It's fine. We live and we learn. Did you apologize after that? Or did you, did it like not sink in until It after? didn't connect. It didn't connect at oh all. Oh my God. So I just say that and, and she was like <gasps> terrified. And I'm like, uh, again, because I'm, you, you usually think about yourself. You don't usually think about other people. So for me, like, ah, she, I'm, I'm weird. Like she thinks I'm weird. It's okay. So I'm like, okay, bye. And like, it didn't register at all. Like it was like, after a week later or something that I talked to my brother and he said like, <laughs> like Asian people don't like they, they, they don't barely touch. do like handshake. Like they barely touch and you just yeah. kiss this girl. Of course she was traumatized. I'm like, oh yeah. It, 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 not even a drink first. It, you know? <laughs> it, oh my God. 
You see, that's why I should have gone to New York. You can go without drinks. It's like perfect. Honestly, you should have. I think you would have a super different experience. Mm. But then you might not have gone to Japan because you probably have liked it here a lot better. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. Santiago, it's been it's been really a pleasure to have you. I I had so much fun. Did you have fun? I really hope. Yeah, you did. I, I was. It was a pleasure a, to talk to you. I have a question. Have you done this before with anyone? No, never. I'm very glad that you you enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, it was I, it was really fun. I, I could say the same. I think like um, asking good questions is a skill that is harder to find these days. So, Anya, I think you ask really good questions. Thank you. Well. well, I think we can call ourselves friends now, right? I know we started off strangers. The energy. I was a little bit nervous, but then now I think. If I ever go to Japan, you'll be the first one I'll call. <laughs> for sure, for sure. If you want to Colombia as well, let me know. Colombia too. That will be on my list. I will probably call you back again when I don't know, whenever you want, if you ever want to come <laughs> back. If this podcast yeah, even sure. even you know takes off, I think it's a great first episode. <laughs> mm. I, I look forward to see what you make out of it. I think you have a very interesting concept. Thank you. You know, I think, I, it's the, yeah, sorry, keep going. I, I think you'll find interesting people, both positive or negative. And I think having both experiences will be interesting. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the bad one is like, I have to figure out how to edit it in a way that makes it interesting. That's the hard part. <laughs> or, or you can get like, you know, both interesting and weird. Like you can get the other Santiago Martinez, the... The one that you Googled. You never know. I know. Oh, yeah. Maybe in heaven. <laughs> or hell. I don't know what he did. But, yeah. <laughs>